You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to episode 200 of the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host alongside my awesome co-host, Molly Pittman. Molly, how the heck are you? It's been a while since we recorded together. Hey, Ralph. I know. Doing great. Excited for episode 200. 200. 200. <laughs> this feels like a, a big milestone. It is a big milestone that we're excited to record this. Thank you guys, as always, for listening and, and celebrating with us. Yeah. If you've listened to all 200 episodes and this is your 200th or you've listened to them multiple times, well, you know, you're one of our favorite people in the world. <laughs> it's crazy because, I mean, I meet people that say, yeah, I've listened to every episode at least three times. I'm like, are you kidding me? Wow. That's a whole lot of Molly and Ralph. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole lot of knowledge to consume. Yeah. But happy 200th episode, Ralph. And of course, we couldn't do this without you guys, our listeners. So thank you so much for listening. If you get value out of this podcast as a 200th birthday present for Ralph and I, leave us a review on iTunes. That's really helpful to us and definitely helps our rankings on the iTunes platform. It'll help more people find this information. So we would appreciate that very much. But as always, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, absolutely. And subscribe while you're at it. Some people actually just listen like on the digital marketer side of the tier 11 site and they don't actually subscribe. That actually helps a lot as well. So, I mean, of this course. is, uh, you know, a lot of hours we put into this, our favorite part of the week, at least for me. Don't tell my team that, but it is awesome always to get on the phone and sometimes even live with Molly and record these things for you guys. So we try and bring it as much as possible. And I think, like I said, in episode 198, we're trying to filter out all the things. There's a lot of noise out there. You know, there's a lot of things that Facebook is throwing at you, new features and all kinds of new stuff. Which things should you follow? Well, we figure out which ones are the best ones by actually testing it, you know, to the tune of millions per week for us. And I know you're running a tremendous amount of traffic right now for your private clients. So trying to do that here for episode 200, because we sort of thought back to when we started this whole thing in July of 2015. Can you believe that, Molly? I know. Almost four years ago. (laughs) Four years in July. Crazy. There was so many differences to what the platform looks like today versus then, as well as the tools that we use today versus then, as well as the strategies, like just the overall how we think about running ads on Facebook, as well as Instagram. Instagram was, I think, was just sort of starting back then and we really didn't even use it. Yeah, Yeah, now it's an ad platform. Yeah, now it's like a super important placement for us. Yeah. And Ralph, you know, we were talking, what should this episode be about? We want to do something really special for the 200th episode. And I think what you and I really decided on what we think is most helpful and really appropriate, you know, for 200th episode is sort of a reflection. You know, like you said, Ralph, things were very, very different when we launched this podcast almost four years ago. And although some of the strategies remain the same, and a lot of what we talked about remains the same, a lot of it's also changed too, right? And so, Ralph, we picked a few items that we wanted to discuss here. And it's sort of a before and after. So what were we doing then 
And how are we doing that different now in 2019 in hopes that it not only helps to educate you, but that it also shows you how much changes on these platforms over four years and how much will change in the next four years. You know, if perpetual traffic is still around in another four years, another 200 episodes, I'm sure that we'll be having very different discussions. Yeah, most definitely. Why don't we just get right into it? I mean, I think there's just so many differences, but also as we note these differences, we'll also relate it back to strategies and tactics that we do now as opposed to how we did things then. And the interesting part of this, Molly, and I think one of the reasons why I wanted to sort of do this retrospective of how Facebook has changed over 200 episodes and Instagram, of course, is that we still see a fair amount of non-agency customers come to us. And one of the first steps that we do before we decide whether or not they're a good fit or a good match for the tier 11 agency is that we do a strategic account plan where we have one of our awesome media buyers go in and do an analysis of how they're running their ads and then how we would run their ads now. And one of the things that we see consistently, and we talked about this a little bit on 198, again, episode 198, so definitely go back on some of the Facebook and Instagram updates, is that people are still running ads. And I think we see a lot of gurus out there even talking about this, like it's back in 2016 or 2015. Yes. And Ralph, you know, I think what really hit the nail on the head here, I'm working with a client currently who's also hired some other marketing consultants. And one of them who doesn't run Facebook ads went in and looked at what I was doing and reported back to my client that what I was doing on Facebook was too simple. And therefore, you know, I wasn't really worth what I was getting paid. And Ralph, I think that that sort of started this conversation between you and I. It wasn't about the comment to the client. It was more so that it showed how much has changed over the last few years and that this person was looking at something like Facebook ads in terms of how many split tests are we running? How complex are these campaigns? The more complexity means she's doing more work, which means we're going to get even better results. And as we know, and as we talk about on this show, that's not the case anymore. Um, and that sort of started this conversation of, wow, that's how we used to run ads back in 2015, 2016. You and I said that to each other and it was like, okay, well, what are all the other things that we used to do back in those times that we don't do any longer? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the big things is account simplification, like really simplifying your processes. And Facebook is now advocating for this and really railing against over complexity within the ad account. And this is a theme that we've been talking about, especially in the last couple of months here in perpetual traffic, but we'll continue to do so because it runs counter to how people think about the Facebook platform. The simpler you can keep it, the better. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to be in the ad account 24-7 looking and testing and tweaking and touching things and optimizing your bids and doing all these other sorts of things. We've actually seen this with some third-party tools <laughs> that do that exact thing. They monitor your bid and up it or you know raise it or lower it, and they optimize it based on clicks and all these other sorts of things. And the ad account and the ads and the campaigns that we're running next to those that we're testing against are not getting very different results where we're just sort of letting things go and letting the algorithm do a lot of the work, which is, 
you know, obviously it's your business. You have to keep an eye on your on your money. So I wouldn't say just like set it and forget it. This platform will never be a set it and forget it platform. Don't get me wrong on that one. Otherwise, we probably wouldn't have jobs here because it would be so easy. But the point is, is I think there's this middle ground between complexity and simplicity. And I think somewhere in the middle is probably where the happy medium is, probably skewed more towards the simplicity side, especially what we see in the higher volume accounts. I mean, the ones that are spending 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a day have a simplified structure. And yes. they have just a couple of campaigns, a handful of campaigns, and then not thousands of ad sets and not thousands of ads, but you know maybe three, four, five, six ad sets, and then you know maybe two or three or four ads running at any given point in time on the ad level. And this goes back to maybe episode seventy-one, which a lot of people still ask me about. Are you still using the Michigan method? You know, which is definitely check that out. Go back, you know, put the Wayback Machine on and go back to episode yeah. seventy-one. That was where we would launch campaigns with, you know, maybe four different campaigns or three different campaigns with three different placements. And then in each campaign, we'd have 10 or 18 ad sets with different interests. And then in each one of those, we would have one ad per ad set for each of the interests. Highly complicated. Yes. We really don't do that anymore. And I think that's a big change is like yeah. that overcomplification. Is that a word? It, um, it now is. It now is, <laughs> is making way to account simplification. So, and I know you've seen this, especially you've done some analyses of really high volume accounts spending millions and millions per year. And then you came yeah. in and simplified them and have made a tremendous difference here in 2019. So absolutely. Yeah. I, I think this is our first big takeaway, Ralph. Like the one of the biggest changes that's happened, you know, in the last four years is that, you know, I would have ad accounts that had maybe 15 to 20 campaigns running at one time because you needed that sort of complexity to get the results you want. But a lot's changed in the last four years, obviously. Facebook's a lot smarter. They've taken great strides to try to simplify their ad platform so that it's easier for more advertisers to use so that it doesn't take us as much time to run ads and as many resources as it used to. So yeah, I'm definitely seeing that. I mean, I just showed you a client account, Ralph, that I'm currently running a launch. And over the last week, we've spent almost $60,000 now. And that's just with two campaigns, right? Only two campaigns running in the entire ad account. Yeah, you're not, uh, that's doing, a, you're not doing enough in there, by the way. You're not doing enough in there, I know. And that's a huge takeaway from working with Ezra and his e-commerce brand, Boom. A big change that we made from what they were doing last year to this year, which has allowed them to scale in a huge way. They had their best quarter ever in Q1. We had one campaign that ran for about six weeks that spent $800,000. Like there's some serious volume going on in that campaign or in that account. Account. And one of the biggest changes that we made was just simplifying and using less campaigns. For example, they had about seven retargeting campaigns set up and we simplified that down to about two, sometimes three. We're not advocating simplification, guys, because it makes Ralph and I's job easier. You know, like if you go back to the Michigan method, episode 71, like Ralph, someone on your team got carpal tunnel from the Michigan method. <laughs> like true. you had, there were Glad. hundreds and hundreds of ads and ad sets. The complexity of these campaigns 
that was needed at that time was insane. And a big reason for that was Facebook needed us to set up all of that complex testing because they didn't have the products built within their platform to do the testing that they can do now in the back end that we don't even see, right? right? Also, data. There are four more years worth of data now than there was when we launched this show back in 2015. Data in terms of Facebook knows what's working for advertisers more than they ever have, but they're also collecting data on consumers. Every button that we click, every move that we make in the platform or on other platforms that are connected to Facebook or other sites that are connected to Facebook, that is being recorded. And so this amount of data and also how much Facebook has progressed in the last four years in terms of their platform and just dedicating resources to making the platform better and better every month and every year, we now don't have to have the complexity in terms of our campaigns that we used to, which is so nice. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it's not even four times more data. It's like four years of more data, which is probably Facebook knows about its users. We were both on the platform four years ago. A lot of our listeners were. Think about all the things you've done online or on the platform in the last four years. Every one of those moves, every one of those clicks, every one of those you know, scrolls through your newsfeed on your mobile phone or your searches on the web, all that stuff is now aggregating inside the ad platform. And we as advertisers can leverage that information to target the best user or the best potential converter in most of our cases at the exact right time in the exact right place where they sit. So they might be on Instagram, they might be in the audience network, they might be on Facebook, they might be you know, in Messenger. So like all those different placements now, all those different messages are now being seen in aggregation combined with all this data they have on you, the user, and the target audience that you're trying to target for your business. It's like, think about how much more powerful this whole platform is today than it was four years ago. It's crazy to think about it. I think it's, you know, why this whole idea of data is the thing that was the big story in 2018. Like we knew about this back in four years ago. You know, I was just explaining this to my mother the other day. I was like, when Facebook talks about data, they're not talking about your security you know, your, uh, your credit card number, your credit card number, <laughs> your social security, your bank account number, or your license number. Like those four things are really important. Like if there was a data breach, like, and Facebook had those, I'd be in my pants. Sorry. We got an explicit, <laughs> we got an explicit rating there, Molly, um, <laughs> the okay. point, but I would be, but I, they don't have that data on me. So no. like the data that they have is best utilized to show the right ad to the right person at the right time. That's Absolutely. the data. And it's four years more powerful today than it was back yeah. in 2015. And, and four years ago, we needed to set up these complex campaigns because Facebook Like I said earlier, they didn't have the ability to do the work that they can do now to actually figure out which of our ads is best resonating with the audience, who those ads should be shown to. And so we as humans had to do so much more work on the platform than we have to do now because the platform wasn't as advanced. I got to sit in on a talk that Mike Rhodes did at James Schramko's event in Sydney last month. And he talked about artificial intelligence. And he said something to the effect of, you know, artificial intelligence, when 
when it comes to Facebook and Google, the beauty of it is that us as the marketers and us as the humans, we are having to do a lot less button clicking work inside the platform than we ever have before. And the reason that is amazing is because it gives us time to work on the stuff that actually matters, like your creative and your copy and your marketing message and your product and your entire customer experience. So this is a good thing, guys. And just because we don't have to do as much button clicking or because our campaigns don't look as complex as they used to. Like this client that I'm talking about right now that we spent almost $60,000 on in the last month, I have two campaigns, four ad sets in each campaign, three ads in each ad set. Very, very simple. And we're able to scale in a big way with just two simple campaigns. That gives me time to work on the actual marketing stuff that matters. Four years ago, I would have had more than one campaign, probably five to 10 campaigns each, maybe with 30 plus ad sets in each, with 10 plus ads in each ad set. So this simplification is so, so important. And I think this is one of the biggest changes we've seen, Ralph. Yeah, for sure. I referred to this in episode 198 again, is that we talked to Facebook. They stress this, obviously. But one of the examples that they gave us is, and this would directly relate back to e-commerce customers, for example. You might not get to this level of simplicity, but if you go back to episode 145, we talk about the e-commerce ad amplifier, which we now refer to as the ad amplifier because we've been able to leverage this in all kinds of other spaces, not just in e-commerce. But if you look at that, there's basically five levels of traffic. And in that episode, we actually advocate, you know, breaking down each level of traffic by its level, its depth. So level one is cold, level five is purchasers, and then two, three, four is everything sort of in between based upon individual Facebook pixel fires, standard event fires. The point is, is that, yeah, it's a great way to think about how to run your traffic, cold versus warm all the way to hot. But when Facebook looks at e-commerce customers now, they see you know, much less complexity, even than the e-com ad amplifier, which for us was actually less complicated. They advocate for non-e-commerce businesses exactly what you're talking about in the campaign that you have going is two campaigns. So one for cold traffic and then one for retargeting. Now inside the retargeting, you could have your level two, three, four, and five ad sets going, but they also advocate for e-commerce customers. Make sure that you use catalog sales as an additional campaign. So it's a grand total of four campaigns. And this is what these big disruptors that are basically disrupting the platform, they might be unicorns, they might be, you know, the just broad, broad market appeal, direct response either agencies or brands, the point is, is they have simple, simple, simple ad account hygiene, which is what we sort of refer to in tier 11. It's like, what's the ad account hygiene? Is it simple? Is it complex? Is it all over the place? Is it a big mess? And the more you can simplify it, maybe you won't get it down to two campaigns. Like Molly is an expert. So two campaigns is, she knows what she's doing. And this is also for a launch. So I've got one specific thing happening. This isn't for an entire business, right? If it was, it would be more like five campaigns, maybe seven or eight campaigns. But just to give some context there. 
Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, for one of our very large volume customers, we have about seven or eight campaigns, but each one yeah. of them are broken down by cold and warm. Inside warm is their level two through five traffic, but we break it out by country as well. And we also break it out by, you know, there's conversion campaigns and there's catalog sales campaigns, you know, for both retargeting as well as for cold traffic. So like in that case, yeah, that's one where when we came to that customer, they had 30 or 40 campaigns running. Now we're down to seven or eight. Like that's simplification. You might not get down to two like Facebook advocates. The point is, is that you have to think about this stuff differently as much as you possibly can. More ad campaigns, more activity doesn't mean more and better results, which is really the Absolutely. bottom line. I love it. And I think that goes well into number two, Ralph, which is about targeting and audiences and audience size. So there's been a lot of change to this area of Facebook advertising since 2015. I know a few big ones, and we both get this question a lot, but back in 2015, you especially, me sometimes, were breaking each interest into their own ad set. You know, we would put one interest in each ad set. And the purpose of this was so that we could get a thorough test. And that worked well back then, but now it creates too small of audience sizes and it actually makes it hard to scale. So a big change when it comes to audiences now for both of us is that we don't break each interest into their own ad set. We actually lump them together so that we can get a nice, you know, particularly large audience size in each ad set. And that's something else that's changed. I listened back to an episode in 2015, where I recommended to keep each of your ad set audience sizes between half a million and 1 million people. (laughs) And I think that can still be okay if you're just starting and if you're testing and if you have budget at the ad set level. But now, especially when I'm using CBO, unless it's a local business, of course, All of my ad sets have at least 5 million people in them. Sometimes, like for this launch I was just discussing, all eight of those ad sets have more than 40 million people in each ad set. So I think it's still important to do a lot of targeting research to make sure that you understand your audience. Like It's not that we have to do any less work when it comes to understanding our avatars, when it comes to really digging in for those interests that we know other advertisers aren't spending time to find. But in terms of audience size, because Facebook is so much smarter than it was four years ago, we can have much larger ad set audience sizes because the platform can digest that now. Yeah. I remember we used to sort of not really argue. We haven't really argued that much. But you would say like, (laughs) we would say like 400,000 to 2 million. You're like, oh, half a million to a million. (laughs) But still, like today, I mean, you could certainly start there, but the vast majority of our campaigns are running with much larger audiences because you do want to give, especially with larger budgets, you need larger audiences with larger budgets. So in order to scale, you're going to have to go outside of just that smaller audience. Now, 
for retargeting campaigns. And one of the things I think that's changed, which we can talk about here in a second, is for retargeting campaigns, you still are going to have smaller audiences. So not all your audiences. I think you're really talking about large scale, like cold traffic campaigns. Exactly. Primarily. So we just yes, want to make sure. That's what I'm talking about. Definitely cold traffic. Yeah. Those audience sizes wouldn't apply to retargeting for sure. Yeah. I mean, if you could get that kind of size for retargeting, that's pretty good. But absolutely. Yeah, the point is, is that yeah, for cold traffic to, and most of the people that are listening to this show here are trying to take cold traffic, people that don't know who you are, who your service is, what you sell, and then turn them into lifelong customers. That's typically why people are listening to the show. And we help them do that. We help them do that in our agency. And you help that do that with your private clients. The point is, is that cold traffic is the key to this whole thing. Because without that, like all the retargeting, you can probably figure that out. Like that's what we typically will say. Like, hey, if we can break even or be slightly ahead of the game on our level one cold traffic, then we know we can pretty much make the whole ad account work through retargeting. The point is, is that those sizes for those cold traffic audiences have greatly expanded, like over the last four years for sure. And that's one. I think that's a big, big change. A big change. And again, this goes back to what we discussed in the beginning. Four years ago, Facebook wasn't as smart as they are now, so you needed to give them very small, very targeted audiences to show the ads to, or it just wouldn't work. But now, because Facebook has so much more data, they are much more informed of who to show the ad to You know, within these larger audience sizes, and it gives us much more room for scale here. Yeah, for sure. So definitely audience sizes are probably our second big point here, especially for cold traffic. Yes. Um, and guys, Rob, I just wanted to reiterate that point. I think a lot of people get caught up on the ins and outs of retargeting. Having a solid retargeting strategy is very important, but I would go to say 90% of the hard work when it comes to buying media comes down to cold traffic and making sure that you have an offer that works for cold traffic, that you're able to really target and reach your market, that you have strong copy. All of that is so much more important for cold traffic with retargeting you know, it's important to understand what offers you're going to retarget with, you know, making sure that you're overcoming barriers to purchase with your ad copy and your creative. But retargeting is mostly about showing up. The cold traffic is very much the hard part. So that's just something I've really noticed over the past few months. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think that a lot of people make this mistake. And we have a customer right now that's making this is a huge mistake. Like they thought that sending traffic to their list means that they have a great offer, especially through a landing page or through a quiz. That is not the way to test, actually. That's great to, yeah. to understand if your offer has a pulse, but right. that doesn't mean you have a great offer. Just because you send it to your list or you send it to a warm retargeting audience to somebody who's been on your site in the last five days or last 30 days, or even more so if you're uploading your list from Infusionsoft or some other CRM and then you're sending traffic to that list, of course they're going to buy. Like That tells you, yeah, my offer has a pulse, but you don't have a proven offer until you actually test it to cold traffic. And you've got to be willing to lose some money there. I hate to say it. I hate to say this as an agency owner, but you know, you've got to have the right mindset. You got to test a lot of stuff. And the vast majority of the things that we do test don't work out. Sorry. You're like, you're just not going to bat a thousand here unless you're Molly Pittman, you know, which is the other side. But, <laughs> a know, lot of what I do doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, if you get three out of 10 things to work, that's actually pretty I'm good. Happy. We're going to the hall of fame. 
you know, four Absolutely. out of 10 and you're yeah. like first ballot hall of famer, yeah. two out of 10, you know, that's what you should probably expect. You know, one out of five things works. So I think that's really an important concept for everybody to understand is that, you know, cold traffic is the true measure as to whether or not your offer is going to resonate. And the larger the audience is, as long as they're targeted, the better. Absolutely. So one of the big things that as a as a third point here, what's really changed since 2015 is placements. So we used to like by placements, well, I mean we've got a lot more than we did in 2015. That is true. Off. Instagram, Messenger. I can't remember if Audience Network was there in 2015, but I'm pretty sure it was newsfeed and right hand column in 2015. <laughs> Like if you look into your ad account inside the, you know, the ad set level and go through all the different placements, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I think there's like 16 of them, I believe, individual yeah. ones or something Ralph, like that. Think about in four years, I mean, how many more placements we will have, how much they will change. I think a lot of people are panicking because Facebook's moving away from the newsfeed. That's okay. Facebook's not going away. They're just adjusting their product to better fit what consumers want and need right now. We will be able to advertise within those new placements. But the, I feel the placements on this platform will evolve as Facebook changes, as Facebook acquires new businesses, etc. Yeah, for sure. And WhatsApp is going to be on there soon too. Like we've already started to see, you know, that's actually appeared in a couple of our ad accounts, believe it or not. So I'm like, oh my God. And that's a whole other, however many people are on uh, WhatsApp, it's billions. So billions. think about this as your own personal ad network with all these different placements, Facebook, Instagram, audience network, messenger, all working together so that, you know, they're showing the right ad to the right person at the right time. And what I think a lot of people make the mistake of is they'll go in and they'll look at their placements. They'll do their placement breakdown, which is great. Definitely look at your data and understand it. But then they'll maybe deselect certain placements mm -hmm. that aren't getting their conversion or their CPA or their ROAS goal or whatever it is. And yeah. that's a big mistake. Unless there's, yes. we do yes. see it sometimes with the audience network just blowing stuff up for no reason. And I, you know, we always keep an eye on that one. And we do deselect some portions of the audience network, depending on what the customer is. But that deselection or that sort of taking out, you know, Facebook stories, for example, because yeah. it's not getting the CPA that you want. That's this breakdown effect, which we have talked about a little bit, you know, here and there sort of over the course of the last 20 or so episodes. But it's a really important thing is that all the placements work together to get you the results. So certainly you do want to look and analyze your data and figure out, you know, is there one? And we see it sometimes with Audience Network where it sort of blows it up and spends all the money and all of a sudden we're like, Jesus, what the hell happened? So that does happen. But if you start deselecting or maybe taking off certain placements or you're not optimizing for the placement using a placement optimized creative, which we'll talk about in probably future episodes as well, POCs and how we refer to it in our agency. The point is, is that by using all the individual placements, you're leveraging the entire platform. And I think that's an important thing for people to realize because we used to separate this stuff out back in 2015. Oh, right-hand column isn't working, deselect it. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. 
No. And that can actually negatively affect your campaign. This is a mistake I see students making a lot. They'll let their campaign run for three to five days. They go turn off all the placements except for the placement that has the lowest cost per acquisition or lowest cost per lead. And that's a mistake, as Ralph said, because of the breakdown effect, which we'll link to in the show notes at digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast if you want to learn more about that. But I run auto placements every time I set up a campaign now. I know for scale sometimes, Ralph, you guys will break out the placements. But I usually have auto placements 99% of the time. I'm running on all placements at all times. And the reason for that is the breakdown effect. And if you're going in and after three to five days, you're turning off all the placements except for the cheapest one, you're making a huge, huge mistake. Yeah, for sure. So definitely, you know, keep an eye on your metrics and keep an eye on your placements inside reporting and look at your stats. But the point is, is that even if you see, you know, your Instagram story ad having a higher CPA, but your Facebook newsfeed ad is getting a lower CPA, well, the Instagram story ad, believe it or not, probably has an effect on the effectiveness of the overall campaign, the overall effectiveness of that Facebook newsfeed placement. So that's in essence what, when you deselect one of those, that in essence is what the breakdown effect really is. And like you said, we'll leave some uh, links in the show notes so people can look at that a little bit more. But that's an important distinction between how we do things now and how we did things then. And more placements oh. to come and more over placements the next 200 episodes, Ralph. <laughs> bring, on, bring on WhatsApp and God knows what else they're going to buy between now and four years from and, now. Or create or from create. now until then. I mean, we'll be talking about virtual reality or augmented reality placements here soon, but that's a topic for another time. <laughs> So the last thing I think in this episode we want to talk about, which has definitely changed, is retargeting audience. And maybe this is like yes. the fourth this is the fourth thing. Yeah, this is the fourth big change. So and- the fourth big change is retargeting. I think and you brought this up. Yeah, this has changed so much. It used to be yeah. just like people who hit your website and that was yeah. pretty much it. Or, you know, retargeting, I guess, could be like fans of your page. Like if they hit your fan page or they liked your page, I suppose you could sort of yeah. count them. But it's so much more than that now, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, number four, this is just really a reflection on the fact that our retargeting abilities are so much more powerful than they were four years ago. Like you said, really four years ago, all you could do was upload your email list, you know, retarget those people or retarget website visitors. Now we can retarget people who engage with our pages on Facebook, Instagram, people engaging with posts. We can't forget the introduction of video and being able to retarget people who watch our videos. That's huge. So we just want to address the power and the ability to really do full force retargeting nowadays. And I think this is important to understand because most media buyers are still judging the success of their media by the performance of their cold traffic campaigns, which is important to keep an eye on. But you also need to remember those cold traffic campaigns are building a ton of retargeting opportunities for you. And it's not just people visiting your website. It's as little as someone reacting to your ad. You can now retarget people who are taking that action or who are engaging with you on Facebook or Instagram. And I think we'll see more of this as we move forward. 
Yeah, I think we will. And if you go into audiences inside Ads Manager, and you'll see, like, really, the only one we had back in 2015 was website traffic and customer file. Now, we don't do a tremendous amount of like app activity, but I mean, there's now 10 different website or wow. custom audiences that you can retarget as opposed wow. to just two. And in each one of those 10, there's breakdowns of each, mm-hmm. you know, based upon levels of engagement and so forth. And I think the big one for us, especially, and I know this is for you, especially with all the work that you do for Boom with Ezra, is these video audiences. Like that's yes. been killer. Video and page engagers. Ezra and I are constantly retargeting page engagers, especially if you're an influencer and people are engaging with your content or even something like Boom. Those audiences are huge also, which is very helpful. Yeah. So we'll create a warm audience campaign that throws all of those together, page engagers, website visitors, email list, video viewers, everything we can get our hands on so that we can get a much larger audience size. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just pages alone, that just continues to expand out more and more and more. I mean, when video engagement came along, pretty much the same settings were in there that they are now. But, you know, Facebook has added so much more to it. And yeah, create as big of an audience as you can, you know, for those engagement audiences, for those retargeting audiences, and then squish them together if you, yeah. if you can, like you guys do, you know, with Ezra. And it's a great way of thinking about it. It's like, take as many of these engagement audiences and pull them together and then retarget them with a unified message. And just retargeting alone, like think about how much that has changed. That's been such a game changer for us and especially for any advertiser over the last four years here. And like you said, it's going to continue to get better and better. How do you engage people who have already shown somewhat of an interest and get them to the ultimate goal, which is a lead, a webinar registration, or a sale? And these types of audiences really help you do that in a methodical way. So those are the four big changes that we've seen since we started the Perpetual Traffic Podcast Mm -hmm. on this awesome platform, which we call the Facebook ad platform, but includes all the other placements like we had talked about here in the show. So this has been episode 200. Woo! Make sure you, yeah, to another 200. Why not, Molly? To another 200. Cheers, Ralph. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so to get all the uh, the resources in this show and all our show notes, make sure you go over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. You'll see all the resources in there and uh, click to your heart's desire on all the things that we talked about <laughs> here today. And thank Facebook and thank Zuckerberg for putting all these changes into place to make this the most powerful you know, online ad platform in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, so. absolutely. And thank you guys so much for listening. And I wanted to reiterate something we said earlier, Ralph. It's so good and so educational and powerful and beneficial for us as advertisers to reflect back on what has happened. I've realized the more that I do that, the more that I look at the journey of how far we've come and the better that I understand what's going on with platforms like Facebook and Google, the better advertiser I am because I can make decisions based off of my gut when I'm on these platforms because I'm so much more informed of why certain products were released, where the platform's going, what to expect. This will make you such a better advertiser. So hope you enjoyed this episode and thanks as always for listening and happy 200th episode, Ralph. Woo! You too. All right, until next week. See you. Bye, guys. 
You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.